Today we hear from the slow living revolutionist Charlie Thomas. Charlie runs an interior design studio, a slow living blog and offers online business branding services through her own company, Our Kindred. Charlie explains how slow living is a state of mind and how we can all live our lives more intentionally and authentically. Charlie and I unpick some of the most common misconceptions about slow living and our shared experience of how slow living has benefited our mental health. Charlie shares her experience of postnatal anxiety and depression and how that has taught her the importance of setting healthy boundaries and acknowledging the pressures we feel to conform to societal expectations. Welcome, Charlie. Charlie from Our Kindred. Welcome to Tipping the Balance. I'm really um, excited to have you here. Charlie is an amazing creative mind, but she's also a fellow slow living advocate and so we bonded on all things to do with slow living and just kind of slowing down our lifestyle and I'm I'm relatively new to the slow living movement I mean I think it was only at the beginning of this year even that I saw a hashtag on Instagram hashtag slow living and I started looking into it and I thought oh my god like this is exactly me I I'm not lazy (laughs) Um, I just I just want to have um, a slower life and that really resonated with me and seem to fit well yeah with my kind of values and also kind of helping me with my mental health so I'd love to hear from you because you're much more experienced in slow living so and I think there's a lot of kind of misconceptions out there about what is slow living and who can do it so do you want to start maybe with a bit of introduction about you and your life and how you came to find slow living yeah definitely I actually find it interesting like how um like when you say there, like you're kind of new to slow living and you came across the hashtag, came across the term, um, because that's exactly what happened with me. Um, We actually find, and I'm sure you're the same as you just said, that that it it already resonated with you. You were probably already incorporating slow living and, you know, everything that it entails even before you realised what the terminology was for what you were doing. which is exactly how it happened with me. I w- decided I wanted to live a lot simpler. I decided I wanted to have more time for things that I loved and that I wanted to pour my energy into. Um, I knew that becoming a mum was going to change a lot of elements in my life. And yeah, I, exactly the same as you. I, I try to think exactly how I came across the term slow living I'm assuming it was on an Instagram post somewhere it might have been in a magazine um but once I kind of came to know that term I got really invested in it and kind of learning about the history of slow living slow living itself is a really really new concept um Mm. it originates from a movement that was started in Rome which is the um, slow food. Um, And basically they wanted to build a McDonald's in Rome. (laughs) Right. um, Some very passionate people weren't so happy about that. And thus the um, slow food movement was born. And from that slow living was, was, was born as kind of a, 
I guess, are more applicable to everything. Um, but both of them hold the same kind of thing about valuing community, trying to reject some level of like consumerism that, that obviously is, I mean, Instagram's just introduced a shop, hasn't it? Like (laughs) avoid that as much as possible to find kind of contentment away from things like that. And, spend time doing things that makes us makes us feel happy as cliche as that is um and for me I think I would say that we've kind of lived this way for maybe three four years probably from when me and my partner Matt we actually moved in together I think that's when our journey started we've always been referred to as um hippies by all of our families on both sides (laughs) and always enjoyed cooking from scratch baking breads making things for people we're both DIY lovers we're both quite creative um yeah and it stemmed from that and then our son Marlo was born in 2019 just after he was born I suffered quite badly with some um postnatal depression and postnatal anxiety primarily the anxiety side of things Mm. and I really needed at that point to remove things from my life that were causing me stress or that were unneeded or that were kind of adding or amplifying what I was already feeling Mm. and that's when I really slid into um slow living and and kind of embraced it to kind of help me on that bit of my journey Mm. and like what kind of things um did you you say about kind of cutting things out um what kind of things might that be for me ironically one of the first things was I um and it's kind of makes me laugh now but I think this shows very much how once you are on a road to recovery you can introduce things back in because you know how to manage them so one of the first things for me is I actually removed myself from social media Mm -hmm. um when I say remove myself, I didn't, I didn't delete it. I didn't kind of go to that extreme. I just thought, right, I'm in a space where I'm a new mum and I'm seeing a lot of overwhelming, um, kind of posts about, um, new mums and everybody looks super like they're smashing it, like they're having a great time. And obviously we know that we only kind of see one side of the mirror on social media and I think I had to distance myself from that because at that moment in time with my anxiety, I was struggling to just think, oh, well, I, I, I wasn't seeing it in a rational way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually removed myself from Instagram. I didn't, I didn't look for a, for a few months. Um, and what I did instead is I moved to platforms um, like Pinterest where I could still kind of consume creative um things I could still look at things that interest me I'm a very visual person but instead of having kind of um obviously on Instagram we don't necessarily choose what we see well we do we choose who we follow but on Pinterest it's a lot more specific you know we search what we want to be looking at Mm. the material we want to be consuming so like I was just ensuring at that time that I was only looking at things that were going to kind of uh, not make me feel good but not but avoid you know sending my anxiety off or um kind of triggering myself in any way Mm. um I also definitely at, at that point in time 
felt like I needed to fit so much in. Um, me and Matt, my mum, my mum and dad are divorced, mm. and I have essentially four parents, and I have then Matt's mum and Matt's dad. So we have six parents. Yeah. We have more siblings than we can count. We have <laughs> a million grandmas, you know, and we were really feeling this pressure. And because we wanted to, we wanted to see everyone. We wanted to spend so much time with everyone. And it's not possible. You can, when you're, you've got a new family, it's so hard to fit everybody in. Mm. Um, and I think one of my, the main things was that I just removed that pressure entirely. And I thought, you know, we have all our lives. If I'm if not feeling up to going and visiting people this weekend, that's fine. They'll understand. And getting in that mindset and then just trying to, I mean, we, we never even had a spare day. So, yeah. you know, it was constant like our weekends were fully booked and then to have that time all of a sudden to look at each other in bed in the morning and think oh like what are we going to do today then (laughs) that kind of excitement around how we were going to spend the day and what we were going to do and that kind of brought back a lot of creativity for both of us in spending more time doing kind of fun things um yeah yeah, that really helped so that that sounds like um maybe in another way you were kind of learning to set boundaries put yourself first um and not feel that you have to say yes every time you know someone asks you to to go over or to meet up or you know come to a party or something like that of setting I guess healthy healthy boundaries with your family and then that because if you if you have such a big family that doesn't also leave any time to see friends or um anything like that (laughs) or to breathe no it's so wonderful to have so many people but at the end of the day it's 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 time consuming for us as well I mean we live quite far away from all my family so it's the the travel and Another thing, like, interestingly, when you say about boundaries was um, I had a really big anxiety about leaving the house Mm. with um, Marlo when he was younger because um, when when Matt went back to work, Matt had the car and for some reason I just couldn't get my head around. Like, the idea of a train or a bus was just horrifying. It would just make me feel super anxious um and every day I was kind of feeling like I was letting Mile down because I wasn't out and about doing things with him um and then I again I think I got to that point of actually just fully accepting that it clearly wasn't the right thing for me to do at the minute and I should stop kind of putting that pressure on myself to to be doing that because at the end of the day whether I got the bus and went you know to do a bit of shopping with with Milo or or you know whatever else it would have been um it's probably would have you know well it was much better to kind of just accept that I, I didn't want to do that 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 was fine and that you know how I feel is completely valid and instead we would stay at home and we would enjoy the things that I knew I felt comfortable with mm. um, and I think taking those expectations away like that 
was a big part of slow living for me was I really thought about what was expected of me as as a new mum and as a person and as a woman Mm -hmm. as a partner and I thought right which like these are exactly that their expectations they're not who I actually have to be Mm -hmm. or what I actually have to do um and I found it I remember at one point I did kind of sit down and I wrote a lot of these expectations down and I also then wrote what I'd like to do and what I you know who I'd like to be and and kind of compared those two lists and you often find that kind of the expectations that you think are set for you 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 don't have any interest in meeting them anyway yeah that sounds like a really powerful exercise to go through um and it's amazing that you took the the time um and the initiative like given everything that you were going through to kind of step back and reflect on what you know how your how the expectations didn't match up with what you wanted and yeah because I mean what would you say the kind of standard expectations are of a a new mum I think I well for me I know that there was I felt a real you're gonna laugh at this one because it sounds so kind of uh, (laughs) like small and menial but I felt this huge pressure to go to mother and baby groups <laughs> okay um, no it's, there is pressure to do that yeah and you know what it, it ain't my thing I just can't it's not um yeah I don't know why I don't know what why it doesn't like why they never were an appeal to me um but I felt this overwhelming pressure to go along and I went to maybe three or four of these groups. Um, I used to have a lovely lady who would come and she was from, I can't remember the name of the organisation, but they were great and they're local and they're kind of women who are going through postnatal depression or anxiety. They basically are there to come and talk to you or to, to do whatever. And she knew my kind of this anxiety that I had about leaving the house with Marl. So she actually used to come get me and we used to go to these groups together, which was which Aww. is incredible to have um, a service like that, um, especially because we live quite rurally. So, you know, to see her during the week was fantastic. And yeah. um, I went to about four groups. Every single time I got home, I was mentally drained, physically drained. I just spent the whole time like stopping Marlo from like I don't know doing something wreaking havocs like <laughs> just chaos like mm. chaos and I think the groups I went to were all quite vastly mixed so it was like from newborn up till like four um like school age oh wow it was just uh calm yeah just, that does sound like it could be a bit overwhelming and it's and, really oh, it, it's um, interesting that you kind of admit to not being into mum and baby groups because do you know what I reckon there's probably the majority of mums out there that would share your feeling <laughs> um yeah exactly exactly and we have to ask ourselves why and this is where I got to her it's like right we don't why am I here like why what am I doing here what am I getting out of this obviously like you know fully like developmentally for children fantastic but 
I think again, that's another thing that we've got to let go of this expectation that the mothers have to be all given to their children. Mm. We are still people, mm. and we still need to ensure that we're doing what's right for us, what feels right for us, and mm. looking after ourselves as well. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think that's something that I definitely um, am trying to find better balance in, in terms of that, yeah, my needs are also important. And um, yeah, there were a couple of things that I've read recently that resonated with me in in that regard. Um, I think one of them was um, maybe a quote from Glennon Doyle, who you know um, I absolutely love. Um, Her recent book, Untamed, I just really recommend it to everyone. Um, But yeah, she she said something along the lines of one of the worst things that you can do as a mother is to just sacrifice everything for your kids because you're not teaching them um you know to value their own time um as well you know so I and I thought yes actually that is really important for me to show them that I I have to have my time and so um my eldest daughter Athena when she when she goes into the bath now she she kind of relaxes on the side and she says look I'm relaxing like mummy does (laughs) (laughs) this is how and she says she's she'll say oh the water isn't this so relaxing and warm or something (laughs) um but yeah so I I think it is really important to kind of um show (laughs) show them that and it's the other going back to the mum and baby groups when I have my first daughter I don't think I went to I don't think I went to mum and baby groups because um I mean Fred and I were still like in a relatively new relationship so and we were both around all the time so we just hung out together but then when my second daughter was born I did go to a a postnatal group and I had I felt exactly the same as you I would come back from that group um because there might be 15 other new mums there all talking about their struggles and I would come back with a migraine and feel completely drained And I just, I had to, I couldn't do anything for the rest of the day because it just took everything out of me. And I don't know um, if that's something to do with the fact that I was also um, had a postnatal depression. I don't know if it's something, because, you know, those groups, I think, are aimed at people that are having difficulties. But isn't it interesting that you and I both felt that, I mean, I probably only went two or three times and then I would have, I just, I just explained to the woman who was running them, who, who was my doula, she was at the birth of Eden. Um, I felt really bad that I didn't want to go, but I just said to her, you know, I, I, it's just too much for me. I can't cope. <laughs> and you make a really good point about um, like when, when you go to some groups, you take a lot of information in from other people whether you realize or not there's a lot of talk of like babies feeding or how much they weigh or what they're doing yet or if they're doing this yet or doing that yet and if you're kind of suffering with um anxiety I mean it can really ramp up your worries and your concerns Mm. um and it can kind of play on your mind even when you don't realize might be doing that and I think that is one of the reasons as well well when when I would get home I would just feel exhausted because I'd almost had like an overload of things to consider that I maybe hadn't even 
been thinking about before. Mm. Um, but I think in terms of like you were saying about taking time for ourselves, it's also like we have an, an identity that's completely um, detached from being a mum. Like being a mum is part of our identity, but it's not our whole identity. Um, and I think slow living really helped me to reconnect with my identity and kind of align my focus on what it was that I enjoyed doing. Because don't get me wrong, I mean, things do change when you have children. And some of the interests that I had before kind of uh, things maybe I just wasn't so interested in now. But I guess that even happens as you grow and change and the people who are in your life. Mm. But kind of removing the things from my life that weren't kind of bringing me joy, um, I think gave me space to explore what might be giving me more joy. Um mm-hmm. I found that really valuable. Yeah, definitely. And because and I think um, that when we are living, just going about our lives, you know, there's so much pressure on um, us, you know, on everyone. And I think like for women, especially to, um, you know, I think you and I have said before that we were kind of always focused on our careers and, um, you know, career, 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 get a good job, you know, earn money, be independent. And then, you know, suddenly when you find yourself um, thrust into motherhood, you just think, shit, how does, um, how does being a, a mother fit in with all of this, like job, job, work, work, work. And, you know, as you said, like having your own identity, there's just not enough hours in the day to be kind of winning um, in every aspect of your life. And there's so much pressure on us. And then I think these, this, the, uh, the incidence of mental health problems in, in new mums is just so high. And I'm, I'm sure that it's partly to do with this pressure that we're under the whole time um, and then not kind of factoring in how our life might change when we have children. Yeah, um, I mean, we're not educated about, about what happens afterwards. Do you know? We're, we're mildly sprinkled with information about how babies are made and how babies are born. Mm. But, you know, we don't, when we, as we grow up, unless it comes from our parents, like education system, you know, we don't talk, they don't talk about how you're going to feel after baby, like the things that you may go through, the changes to your body. I mean, I think that um, the amount of women and, and new parents I've spoken to who just didn't realize that their body would change that they might feel differently about that and it's okay to feel different about these things mm. but yeah it's even harder when it's not expected I mean when I had Marlo I I had no idea and it again it sounds crazy but I honestly had no idea that after I'd given birth that I would retain kind a kind of bump shape for a while yeah um, and it really upset me I don't know what I was expecting and but again it's because of these expectations and this pressure that we see everywhere that we're drip fed that you know 
the the kind of whole annoying thing about diet culture and again this all links into slow living because why can't we just sit with ourselves in the moment and be happy with what's there yeah and um, and you said um that kind of part of you embracing even more uh, into slow living um after Marlo was born was how you changed your work life balance um do you want to talk a bit about that because I think I mean that for me is um the the key part of slow living that I've tried to embrace so how what does that kind of mean for you how does that fit into your life before I had Marlo just for a bit of context I worked a full-time job I worked from home but it was I think people have this misconception if you work from home that it's easier that's actually the opposite because you can't switch off. You don't have work and home. You just have like, it's all one one thing. So even right up until past my due date, I was working. I was working very long hours. I was working, I was on calls. I worked for a company down in London, which is obviously more kind of intense than up north um, in terms of how people are and people tend to be a little bit more career focused. Um, and I and I, I really loved it. I really, really enjoyed it. I loved the adrenaline that I got from work. I loved like the sense of accomplishment. Great, fantastic. Originally, I had requested four months maternity leave. And I got three months in and I thought, oh, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't right. I can't go back to work in a month. I, I'm not ready. I am not ready. I was still in the throes of having to deal with um, my postnatal mental health problems. I Honestly, I spent more time crying about the idea of going back to work than I did doing things that I should have been doing. And eventually I contacted my employer. She was very understanding. She has children herself and she agreed for me to extend it. So I actually went back to work at seven months. I still wasn't ready. I don't think I still didn't want to go back. And I sometimes ask myself, even if I'd have had 12 months off, I don't think I'd have ever felt ready to go back because I don't think it was the case of going back. I think it was the case of, I had gone through such a magnificent experience that had changed me as a person and what I wanted out of life had changed Mm. I went back to work and I went back in the November and I worked I was furloughed in March at the start of everything that was going on with COVID and you know I balanced it I um we weren't in a position to be able to afford full-time childcare so our like Matt's my mother-in-law and my dad would have him um once a week but for the rest of the time I was quite literally doing it all I had a newborn at home I say a newborn you know just under a year from six months to a year I had him at home with me whilst I was working yeah and Matt would be away at work so it would just be me Milo and I was trying to do a full-time job and it just I I can't put into words if you imagine like the biggest burnout ever like I just got myself into such a mess and I knew in my heart that what I was doing is 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 not what I wanted to do 
And one of my main reluctances for not wanting to kind of can even consider a, a different way of earning money or making money was because I really, really, really didn't want this perception of, oh, she's left her job to be a mum. Mm. Because that is not why. And, and hey, if that is what I wanted to do, that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the negative perception that people put on it that's incorrect. Mm. Um, almost this, I was afraid of this misconception that kind of maybe my employer and my family and everything would assume that I couldn't hack it or that mm. I wasn't strong enough to do both. Mm. And I think that a lot of us feel that pressure and that concern of not wanting to look like weak, which is ridiculous. But mm. again, it's just the way um, society makes us feel. Well, anyway, three, four months ago, I decided, you know what? I think I can do it all, but I think I can do it all on my terms. Yeah. So at that point, I I handed my notice in and decided to start my own business, which, yeah, I've kind of had a lot of comments from people about the manageability of that with a with a. Um, now a young toddler and but honestly for me working for myself the flexibility that that brings the flexible hours and the fact that I can still for me I can still have this area of myself like I'm a creative my job was an interior I was an interior designer um but the fact that I still have a place to do everything that embodies my creativity and make that into a job but now it's on my own you know processes my own way of doing things I found it really empowering mm. um and it's given me yeah it for, for me the past three months have been absolutely life-changing um and I think that really I could have probably done this a lot sooner if I'd have just really listened to myself and and what I wanted and wasn't so fixated on how what I'm doing might be perceived to other people or what my employer might think or not wanting to be seen as weak I think that's one of my biggest problems and something that I'm always working through and something I'm so passionate about is that like mothers like we are freaking strong like we are the furthest thing from kind of weak or incapable yeah absolutely I what you just said definitely resonates with me about not wanting to come across as weak or that you've you know given up and I'm sure that so many people even if parents or if their parents or not they'll they that will resonate with them too um and I think, you know, it, it does take a lot of courage to say, no, I can and I do deserve better. I can have a better life. Um, and I think a lot of people would have loved to, yeah, have a go at starting their own business or working for themselves. But a lot of people feel too afraid to take that that step. Um, I mean, what? how did you how did you um come to actually just do it did you just say one day right you know this is it I'm I'm gonna 
I'm going to just do it? Or did you say, I'm going to do a trial and then I can go back? Like, what, what did you say to yourself? I've known for a long time it's what I wanted to do. But at the time I handed my notice in, I didn't have a plan. I kind of had, um, I guess, a little bit of a brand established and kind of what I would recommend for anyone to do is if they have a passion to channel that. Like I channeled all of my passion for for my photography, for slow living, for writing, for everything into my Instagram because that was a hobby for me. It was my creative outlet. And that is now what's transcended into becoming my business. And I think that if you have something that you're passionate about, like really passionate about and you love it, talk about it. We want want to know. People want to know. Like I want to know everything that everyone, what, what makes them like happy over anything. And to be able to then make that into work, which is possible. And I mean, now, as you'll know, like I work helping kind of companies as an art director and and with branding and things. And it is possible to make money from anything that you love doing. And for me, that, that kind of leap came quite spontaneously. I think I got to the point, so with COVID, I, obviously I was on furlough pay anyway. My partner was coming to the end of his contract, so he was soon not to have a job. And I actually got into the mindset of, well, 2020 can't really do much more. Like, I might as well just go for it. (laughs) If I'm going to go for it any time, why not be during a worldwide pandemic when there is so much uncertainty anyway? I'm already feeling anxious. I might as well just go for it. Who knows? But also, like, with the pandemic, people are looking to start their own businesses a lot of people have been affected with their jobs and things like that and I think I also saw an opportunity it's not necessarily the time when people are wanting their living rooms decorated but it's <laughs> no. the time when people are looking to improve themselves to make money doing what they love and now because I'm able to help people achieve that as well I think that it kind of all just came at the right time yeah Yeah, it's amazing. And I think having the kind of courage to go out on your own, it does go hand in hand with the kind of slow living lifestyle. Because I think, you know, you and I have talked about these kind of trends. And when you get when you talk to other people that are kind of slow living um, advocates that you find, maybe they have decided, you know, they're trying to break the mold or kind of step outside of step away from the fast lane or you know reject the societal pressure and the societal norms um and it's kind of all about just living an intentional life that's kind of true to yourself and that's you know that's what you're creating right now and um so it's it's really inspiring to hear that you're that you're doing it and um yeah it kind of again it's it's stepping away from those kind of expectations um societal pressure like at the beginning of this call as well you you kind of touched on the fact that there's a lot of kind of misconceptions around slow living yeah which is completely true Because I think what a lot of people don't realize is that the majority of people who now embrace a slow living lifestyle, the reason they do that is because they've come from the rat race and they're fed up and they want change. 
I mean, it is a revolution in a way. I think our generation and, and younger generations than us, I think we're all recognizing now that that life has a value to it. I think that for me, I am interested in making enough money so that we can live and so that I can provide for my family. But I don't want to make bucket loads of money. I just want to have, I just want to be content. I want to have enough. I want to be able to do things that I love. And I would much rather do that than be working all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think when you're in the, that rat race and you're kind of looking at slow living, you're, you think, eh, how is that possible? <laughs> and I don't want to discourage anyone who may be working a full-time job and really struggling to think that the only way out is to leave your job and to kind of start your own thing because that's not necessarily the case either. It kind of ties back in with what we were talking about earlier and setting boundaries with your career, yeah. and setting boundaries with your employer, ensuring that you're paid fairly for your work, ensuring that you're not offering yourself up for things like overtime if it's going to cause some burnout for you mm. um, taking all the holidays you're entitled to the boundaries with work are important as are the boundaries that you set with the time that isn't work and that time that's going to be precious and valuable you know at the end of the day there's things that can wait until tomorrow if you want to go bake some bread and play with the kids on the floor or if you want to go do some painting just do it do you know what I mean just take that that moment in time and, and make it happen yeah I love the fact that you um call it a revolution because that kind of got me really fired up I love the idea of being part of a revolution <laughs> I love it I've been thinking about that for a while I mean I think that we call ourselves slow living advocates, but I think I'm probably more slow living revolutionist. But <laughs> <laughs> well, why shouldn't every? You'll you'll quite like this. A few months ago, I put out a post asking people for their presumptions about slow living, and the biggest one that I got over any was that it isn't possible if you have children. What? And this kind of ties into another misconception of if you have children, you must be like rammed all the time. You must be constantly stressed. Like it's that whole thing of when you have a baby and your great aunt Vera tells you like, you better get some rest now, dear. Do you know <laughs> yeah because you'll never sleep again <laughs> yeah exactly right and that whole thing follows you like all the way through motherhood <laughs> but like we can apply slow living to being parents mm. and I think for me slow living ties in quite a lot with Montessori yes um, I think that that for me was quite an interesting thing to to kind of read about and learn more about and discover as a mum because again it was like that light bulb moment that I had with slow living of oh this fits my lifestyle um yeah. kind of what I want to be doing yeah and I think for me the big if anybody asks me like the key thing about slow living to do with anything I just say like try not to sweat the small stuff mm-hmm like if it's things we can't change that's that's it let's let's try to like give that um let it go from our minds and yeah. if it's stuff that we can change ask ourselves 
you know, do, do, do I need to let go of this completely or is there some way I can kind of change it so it fits? Or mm. I just think you often find people who embrace the living are some of the chilled, most chilled out people. Yeah. Um, and like you said at the beginning, you feel like sometimes you think, oh, am I lazy? Yeah. <laughs> It's just about being relaxed and yeah. not like not wanting everything all at once and being okay with the concept of time and things taking time, enjoying the process. I can't believe what you said that uh, people didn't think you could do slow living if you have if you have kids. What I thought you were going to say is that you can only do slow living, you know, if you're wealthy and that you've got like a farm or something like that <laughs> did that come up when you asked people yeah you know this didn't come up but yeah. um it was something that I, I'm really interested in talking about with people is this idea of slow living being quite privileged mm-hmm. um and that in order to be able to kind of embrace a slow living lifestyle you must be in a position of, of privilege. I mean, obviously, I was very privileged to be able to be in a position where I could leave my job and try something new. There are many people who have to stay in their jobs because they physically cannot leave financially. Yeah. But two years ago, we were we were like in the minus. We had no money. We had like reverse money, however that works. And we were just scraping by and we still lived slow I think that slow living we often see like you've said kind of we see these accounts on Instagram where they have a farmstead and they're all wearing like matching wellies we've got like fancy ass bread baking tools we've got like a freaking butter churn and like you know (laughs) although that's like great lovely like I want that but above all slow living is a state of mind yeah it's the way that we think it's the way that we um try to manifest our thoughts and manifest things into our life it's it's choosing what to focus on and what to let go of and no matter your position no matter what you know where you are in your life I genuinely believe that it can be something that can like for me with my postnatal um mental health issues it it brought me a lot of hope um and I actually think in that case slow living pushed me forward a lot yeah I I totally agree yeah, I guess it's not. It's, it's all. I guess it's comparable to a form of like meditation because you're being more mindful, more thoughtful, all those kinds of things. Yeah, I think for us taking the conscious decision and making that choice to slow down has has actually saved me in lots of ways because we left London um and moved to a you know really rural area in Devon having two children actually forced me into thinking of a different way of living so um yeah the fact that, that a lot of people would imagine that uh, that you can't do it with kids seems totally alien to me but yeah again, yeah I guess those are the people, though, that they may not be aware that they're kind of under that societal pressure and they may not be aware that they don't 
have to conform to that. You know, I know that we've got friends that I would say, you know, they would define themselves as feeling trapped by their circumstances, you know, maybe with like a big mortgage, um, where they both have to work full time, and they don't, you know, they all their kids have to go into like full time childcare, which in itself is extortionate. Um, So making a leap to to kind of change all of that. I think for a lot of people, it's hard to kind of work out what the first steps might even be. But I think, yeah, the the pressure that people feel is just enormous and imagining a different life for themselves just feels unobtainable to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. But I often felt like I'd be interested to know like with you and your move and kind of adapting a bit of a slower pace have you found that you feel more in control of your life and kind of daily activities that's a good question now the the interview's flipped um you're interviewing (laughs) me but yeah do I feel more in control I'm not sure if I feel more in control I feel I feel freer I think that's the best way to describe the way that I feel just like lightness um that I didn't have when we were living in London um so I think for us we just made that decision that we we didn't want to work all the hours you know that God sends us in order to pay for a lifestyle that again you know links into what you were saying about our kind of consumer culture when actually a more simple life for me definitely does bring a greater level of of contentment even though we've come to a rural place we don't have quite the same sense of community because obviously when you're new to a place and it's a global pandemic (laughs) it's a bit hard to build community one of the things I found is when again when Marla was a baby and, and me and Matt kind of didn't have much money coming in and it was all quite intense I really just felt like I had that that I was just like well this is life now like um, I have to work to earn money to pay the bills this is just how it's got to be and I think since I've started to kind of let things go and it's made me realize that actually everything is my choice Mm. everything is up to me I'm completely in control of all of my own decisions and what I decide to do. I think often people feel stuck in a job or in a relationship or whatever it may be. It may be. And I think, I don't know what it is, but it's like in in us that we just kind of start to plod along sometimes, almost living our life unconsciously. Um, whereas I think that what's quite nice to do is to kind of sometimes sit with yourself and assess where you are and to actually think about what you're really enjoying, what maybe you're not enjoying, what maybe needs to change, and then kind of coming up with a plan of how you could apply that them changes, how would it be possible to make them, or to come up with a plan to kind of get out of that feeling of being stuck or trapped. Always a choice. Yeah, exactly. And that's really powerful what you just said and um I think so many of us probably the majority of people are walking through their lives in a kind of unconscious state or feeling completely trapped by their circumstances so that is a really good exercise to do in terms of your day-to-day is there are there kind of any particular practices or things that you feel 
you you do to kind of keep the balance of your mental health tipped in your favor or it doesn't have to be every day if you do things but um you know are there certain things that are kind of deal breakers for you in terms of keeping um your sanity or happiness I wish I could say that I like get up at 6am and I have lemon water and I go for a run and honestly I don't (laughs) in any of that like my (laughs) my weekdays normally look exactly how you'd expect them to be I've got a laptop in one arm I've got Marlo running around like throwing blocks at things I'm like making him toast and eating the crusts for my breakfast um, I'm forgetting to drink water. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I need to exercise more. I literally spend 50% of the day on the couch working. During the week, it's just normal life. I don't do anything. Like, But this is kind of, I guess, where I was coming in with the idea of slow living being more of a mentality. Because if I'd have been working my old job trying to do this, I'd have felt like crap. But whereas I'm work, I'm doing it like everything I'm doing is my choice. I realize that. And when I'm working, even if I work a really long day, I've done it for myself. Yeah. And that's really powerful for me. I think that my treasure is whenever Matt's at home. Mm. So Matt recently also decided to leave his job. <laughs> he got courage from you. We're both um, nuts during a pandemic, but he's also decided to leave his job because we find so much enjoyment in being together as a family. And it feels wrong for us to find your soulmate and to find the person that you want to be with and then to not see them for eight hours a day. Mm. it's for us that's really difficult and he also has a dream he has a creative dream and he wants to have his own business and I think at the moment the weekends is when I really enjoy time because we will always go for a walk multiple walks and for me photography is like my biggest passion Mm. Um, and taking photographs is really therapeutic for me. I absolutely love doing that. We love cooking. I mean, actually, maybe everyday life, day to day, I would say the highlight of my day is tea time. Yeah. Like we will all be crammed into the kitchen. Marlo will be like stealing things off the sides. <laughs> um, you know, I'll be bumping into Matt left, right, and center, but we'll cook something together and we'll sit down at the table and we'll just talk about really random crap and we'll laugh. And I love that. I think it's like that's my favorite time of the day. Yeah. Um, I think it's a personal goal of mine to get more structure into my daily life, but also I'm not putting pressure on myself to, I think it when it, it will, it will happen when it's right. And I think I'll find more of a structured way of doing things. I've just learned that I've just got to go with the flow and do what feels right for me. And that's, that's, that's literally what I'm doing at the moment. But yeah, the weekends, just like spending time with my family, like especially in COVID times, 
we get a lot of joy from like like I said cooking kind of gardening we like to try and grow some of our own things we rent we only have a small garden but we try to make the most of it like making the most of it exactly you know you've got to make the most of of what you've got and be true to yourself and don't put you know insane amounts of pressure on yourself to do xyz every day it sounds like actually you intuitively have a good balance for you and you stick to what feels right for you in the moment and letting go of the guilt the stupid mum guilt that we all feel now and again mm-hmm. um, every what, day yeah <laughs> not even just the mum guilt just the just like life guilt like there's so many things that we consume nowadays that make us feel inadequate in so many parts of our life and I've just completely let go of that now Mm. um so if I spend the whole day I mean I'm talking to you right now and I have my pajama bottoms on (laughs) I'm a full ass full ass grown woman um and like I've chosen to wear my pajama bottoms today and that's fine it's my choice and I think stripping away all that kind of expectation and just shoving it in the bin and thinking I can do whatever I want it's my life and I know what's best for for me and for my own family I think that's really important well I think that's probably a good point to um, bring the conversation to a close because yeah exactly I think if everyone can take a little leaf out of your book there on that final statement then we'll all be feeling a little bit happier but yeah I'm a grown-ass woman I can do what I want (laughs) I love it I should get that kind of put into a frame in my kitchen or something I get a pajama t-shirt made with it on and wear it all the time Thank you so much, Charlie. You've been amazing. Um, And I'll put a link to your Instagram page so that people can find you. Um, I'll put that on the podcast description for today. So thank you. You've been wonderful. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I love it. I love having someone to listen to me gabble on. (laughs) And you, your goal is to start your own podcast all about about slow living. So um, just do it. You can do it. Yes, I would love to. I hope so. Watch this space. (laughs) Thank you, Charlie.